Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Charting Queer Health, a podcast at the intersection of queer culture, healthcare, and research. On behalf of Howard Brown Health in Chicago, as always, I am your host, Matt. I identify as a cis white gay man, and I'm also a Chicago resident. And I have the incredible opportunity to sit down with various experts across our organization and across our community to learn from their expertise, amplify their stories and voices, and advance the conversation surrounding queer healthcare. Joining us today is Shanita Lewis and Maria Marquez. Would you mind uh, introducing yourself? You're all here at Howard Brown and your pronouns. Sure. Uh, like you said, I'm Maria Marquez. I prefer she, her, ella pronouns. I'm the Associate Director of Practice Operations for the North Region here at Howard Brown Health. Good morning. My name is Shanita Lewis. I am the Director of Practice Operations and I use she, her pronouns. Practice Operations. So dive into your role a little bit. What does that look like? What is your day to day? Generally, my job is to ensure that everyone, that the staff under my purview, so everyone in operations in the North region, um, has the guidance, support, and education necessary to uh, maintain patient flow and patient access to care um, and create the best patient experience possible. Uh, From the second that they call us, even before they walk in the door, to them coming in the door for any of the services uh, that that they're seeking, and then post-care, of course. um, and anything that they need after that and in between. So my so my department is in charge of running uh, running the medical and behavioral health practices that are located inside of all of our brick and mortar sites, as well as any pop up um, clinics we may open up based off the need of a community. Um, the associate directors report up to me and then the practice managers who actually run the actual clinics at each site report up to the associate directors. Um, And then the roundup of our team is the front desk staff, which are our patient service representatives, greeters, and our medical assistants who work in the back directly with the providers. So you're kind of everything aside from the actual healthcare itself. It's all the Mm -hmm. uh, encompassing things around that. Um, And that's kind of why we wanted to talk to you today, because so far on the podcast, we've dove into the very... Uh, medical portions of it, like the actual in the in the exam room um, and the different healthcare challenges we face there. Um, but in thinking about it, so much of our healthcare experience is the the stuff outside of outside, that. Yep. Um, and so I wanted to get your take on Howard Brown's practice operations, um, kind of the things that we do intentionally to to make it a better experience for our patients and kind of what that looks like. So um, it, we'll, we'll kind of uh, touch on a few different things, but. Um, to jump right in, how are Howard Brown clinics set up from a traditional clinic, so to speak? What, what, or, or are they the same? Well, some steps in the clinic are just the foundation of running the clinic. So you have a front desk that you know checks people in and asks, um, pay, you know, asks clients to fill out paperwork and um, if they are insured, um, you know, obtain their insurance information. So those things are standard across any. Um, clinic. What does set us apart um, as an FQHC is that we also um, we also are, have the ability to see any and everybody, regardless of their ability to pay. Um, and then we have awesome wraparound services of peop- uh, staff that help with our uninsured clients um, to help see what their uh, what benefits are available to them. And it's interesting that we're you know we're in 2022 and and people still don't know. Um, all the resources that's available to them healthcare-wise. So that's what sets us apart from a traditional private practice, if you will. Um, that's not something that is, is traditionally 
um, discussed and worked out at a private practice clinic. But here at Howard Brown, um, as a community health center, we do just that. We do community health. And so we make sure to meet our clients where, they're, where they are at. And our awesome front desk staff um, make sure to connect those folks with the appropriate people to help them move to the next steps to either obtain assurance or um, make sure that we are able to provide the health care that they need or connect them with the services um, that they do need. Yeah, it seems to me like um, Howard Brown being a, a federally qualified health center, we we serve a whole spectrum of people. So mm-hmm. somebody approaching that front desk might, uh, you know, be ensured to know the process front to back, and it, it could be a really quick process. Uh, or it might be their first time uh, getting healthcare in a while. They could be uninsured. They, um, you know, healthcare might be a, a, um, an unfamiliar or uncomfortable process for them. So, yes. um, mm-hmm. what kind of uh, you know, training or, you know, hallmarks of character are we looking for at our front desk staff to make sure that they're able to accommodate everybody? So we're definitely looking for someone who is either culturally competent or has the ability to be trained to be culturally competent. What does that um, mean, culturally competent? We throw that word around a lot, but I wanted to get your definition of it. So so here at Howard Brown, we have, um, we have a very unique demographic of clients that we serve. Um, we serve um, folks living in marginalized communities and those from the LGBT community and people living with HIV AIDS. And so because those are three specific, you know, three unique demographic of people to serve, we need people that can meet folks where they're at and um, help them obtain their um, obtain their health care. So we're looking for people, of course, who have the training with working within the community. But like I said, also people who show um, that they can be trained to be able to be culturally competent with our folks. And when we say culturally competent, we mean being able to acknowledge pronouns, um, being able to have a conversation with a patient, whether they are, you know, an astute educated person with a doctorate degree or, you know, someone who didn't have the uh, opportunity to finish school, um, which happens a lot in, in, in our communities. And so um, being able to make both those, that gamut of patients feel comfortable um, when, they walk through, when they walk through the doors of the clinic. We were founded on LGBTQ plus liberation, right? So we have that knowledge and we, we see our patients where they're at and who they are as they present themselves. Um, and we hold space for that, um, whatever they come in the door with and whatever their needs are. So we're very respectful um, of how they want to be addressed, right? Pronouns, names, of not divulging information that could be traumatic to the patient or um, not addressing the patient in a way that could re- resurface trauma, right? Um, I think that's one of the main things that separates us from other places. Uh, but overall, everything that we offer as well, I mean, we offer wraparound services. We remove as many barriers to care as possible. For example, we have a partnership with Walgreens so that patients can come and get their meds there when they're there for care. And they can get everything there, right? We have the lab, we have social services, we have legal services, we have behavioral health services, we have housing services. I mean, any however a patient arrives and however they present, we're ready to meet all of their needs. Um, in addition to having the cultural competence to respect patients, and I think that all of those components working together really encompass how we differ from you know, the average medical space. Why are we culturally competent? Is it just because of the makeup of the people that we serve that we have to be that way? Like what's stopping a private practice clinic from doing that same kind of of work of of meeting uh, clients and and patients where they are? I think it's a matter of intention and education, right? So we were built by people who understood that, 
right? That that was part of their own identity. So it's ingrained in who we are and what we do. And that's not the case in the general narrative of society, period. Um, and medicine is just mimicking society at large, right? So I think that even though it's becoming more common knowledge to talk about the things that separate us and how that's a powerful thing and how we should respect that, um, it's not necessarily ingrained in education. It's not something that they teach at medical school or at medical healthcare administration programs, right? Um, I think that there needs to be more intention from from a very young age, from early education into professional education about why cultural competence matters. And not just as like a, this like side course that you take where it's like, oh yeah, be culturally competent. Like don't use these words. No, it's not about the language that we don't use. It's about the space that we hold and the language that we do use and um, how we present ourselves and how we hold space for people. So I think it's a matter of intention. Um, I don't think that other healthcare spaces are like, oh, we don't care. I just don't think that anybody has ever said, hey, this matters here, right? So whoever their leadership is has to decide that even though it's not part of like their main identity, like it is at Howard Brown Health, that it's something that matters to them because patients can present to them in a myriad of ways. Um, and doesn't mean that if our patients are not like, my patients are not like me, doesn't mean that I don't have to be knowledgeable about what they need and who they are. Speaking to that more, how do we uh, streamline a patient's experience outside of the exam room? Um, so you, you talked a little about like the front desk and making sure they're, you know, mm-hmm. checked in and have everything they need. Um, what other steps has Howard Brown taken to um, make sure that, you know, their experience transcends just the actual exam room? Because you talked a little bit about wraparound services. What does that look like at a like practical level? How, how would somebody access that if they needed it? So the front desk um, is um, trained to be able to, you know, have these conversations with clients who come in with um, questions. We do have a lot of people who walk in without appointments um, who have, you know, a range of gamut of questions about different things and different services. And a lot of our sites do have walk-in, some walk-in medical services that they can um, obtain on a walk-in basis. And then people walk in wanting to, you know, know about insurance. We have insurance navigators that the patient service reps um, will schedule people with and connect them with to help them uh, get access to insurance and um, things of that nature. Uh, Apply for our sliding scale program. Um, That's for our uninsured folks. Um, Well, we based off of your income, we come up with uh, an assessment for you on um, access to care. Uh, which is a very cool program that I didn't learn about until I started working here many moons ago. Um, I came from out of private practice, and we just uh, we did we didn't have we didn't see we didn't see uninsured folks at the clinics I worked at before I came to Howard Brown, and um, and I always used to remember that it just felt so cold that we would just refer them out to someplace and not know what would happen to them. But here we we stay connected with the patient the whole the whole way if possible. Um, our patient navigators some, are some amazing group of folks um, who help patients um, with several different things like housing, um, needing help with um, getting their bills paid. You know, a lot of a lot of our clients lost their jobs during this pandemic and needed and you know needed lots of help. You know, with different different um, services, not just their healthcare. Um, and we know that um, already that when uh, a patient is not able to take care of their home that it, it, it poorly affects their health. And so you're stressing about money, you know, that raises your blood pressure, you know, and if you're diabetic, you know, it can affect you getting your diabetes medicine. We all know about um, the different struggles that diabetic clients have with obtaining medications because of the whole gauging of 
price gouging of the medications that they need. And we really help patients navigate all those different issues. Um, Howard Brown is really a clinic where you can come and literally ask us anything that's related to your health care or your, or your needs, um, whether it's health care or social, uh, social um, determinants of health related. And we do everything within our power to figure out how we can get you what you need. Um, and that is why I love, love, love working at this place that we literally make sure that you have what you need so that you can have healthy outcomes. That, that is our goal here. And everyone's job somehow, some ways ties right back into making sure that um, we um, give a client all the tools and resources that they need to have a healthy outcome. I love that. And that's something I've loved witnessing in little little bits and pieces throughout because I'm not patient facing, but I see like on our, you know, the the team Howard Brown or the coordinated care channel, I should say now, mm -hmm. uh, people saying, you know, I need to arrange an Uber for this patient. Yes. Uh, different things like that. Like you, you said it so correctly, we will do everything in our power to, mm -hmm. to get those patients in. And I love that approach. It seems like that uh, holistic approach of healthcare of like really meeting everybody's needs uh, even not strictly medical needs, mm -hmm. um, transcends even to stuff like BYC, the Broadway Youth Center, where yes. we're trying to make a, a one-stop shop for for somebody's um, well-being. So that's a that's a really cool uh, concept. What are some of um, the challenges in accomplishing that? Because, like you said, you came from uh, a you know traditional, so to speak, clinic, mm -hmm. and um, if somebody wasn't insured, they just turn them away or refer them to somewhere else. Uh, we don't. So what are, what are some of the challenges like logistically to make sure that we can sustain this amount of clinics across the city and really give people those services that they need? Like what, like challenging, what's the, what, I guess another way to phrase that is what's the most challenging part of your job in clinic ops? I would say informing the people that they have access to care. Um, unfortunately, in a lot of the communities that we're trying to, to penetrate and give access to, don't realize that they have these, uh, have access to um, these services. Uh, you know, here in Chicago, you know, which is one of the most segregated cities um, in the United States, and like that's documented, right? And so a lot of folks are under the impression that all good things happen downtown on the north side or in the suburbs. And so trying to penetrate south and west side communities and show them like, hey, um, these services are, you know, here are services that are available for you um, right, here in, right here in your neighborhood. Um, I, remember helping a, I remember helping a client uh, who was from a Southside clinic who needed an Uber. And I thought I was just scheduling an Uber and, and that'd be in the end of it. And I called the patient to let them know, like, hey, here's your Uber information. And she actually was very nervous about getting in the Uber and asked for me to stay on the phone with her until she got in the Uber and, and, and everything, make sure. And so I did, I did that. And when it was time for her to uh, come, you know, get her ride back, she called me like, I'm ready for my Uber. And so I said, do you need me to stay on the phone with you um, until your Uber, you know, when you get in the Uber again? And she was like, yes, please. And, um, and so we, we, we talked and um, she just was telling me how fortunate she was that she ran into somebody who told her about Howard Brown. Um, 
and helped her, and, and we helped her, you know, get uh, an appointment with a specialist. I can't remember what specialist it was, but it was something that she had been trying to do for over seven years. Um, and she just kept getting frustrated with the process because she was uninsured, which meant she had to go to county. And um, she just kept getting frustrated with the process. And she said that Howard Brown really helped her navigate that process and, um, and, and it, it really meant a lot to her. And she's like, now I tell everybody in my building, she stayed in a, um, she stayed in a, um, what they call them, low income, low income residential buildings. And uh, she's like, I'm telling everybody in my, a senior building. She's like, I'm telling everybody in my building about you guys. You guys have been wonderful. And those are the things that I love about this job is that that's not something I would have probably been able to do if I didn't stay working in private practice um, because you don't do a lot of, um, well, when I was working in private practice, we didn't do a lot of hand-holding. What I like about Howard Brown is I believe that us and, cl and clinics like us are helping change the um, structure and frameworks of, of, of clinics and how they approach their patient care. Um, being a patient-centered medical home also helps because it changes your, your thought process on how you um, attend to your clients' needs. Um, not just worrying about their their medical health, but also the social determinants of health that prevent them from having um, healthy outcomes. And I, yeah, that is one of the things that I love the most about it. And our front desk staff are sometimes key to that social determinants part because patients, once they see the same faces when they come into the same clinic over and over again, um, they be they build a relationship with the front desk staff and the front desk team. Um, sometimes knows information um, from the patient that not even their provider knows. Um, to give an example, I had a patient um, who, had, who struggled from high blood pressure, and the doctor just was like, I can't get her blood pressure down. You know, I overheard him talking about it in the care team room with the other providers. And I was like, oh, I said, do you, I said did you know that she just gained custody of her grandkids? And... Um, he was like, no, she didn't even tell me. And I was like, because she probably didn't think twice about it because them her grandkids. And I was like, but I'm quite sure that it's a stressful situation that she's going into. I said, she didn't go into details with me. And I said, but I can almost guarantee that her having to get custody of her grandkids is adding stress to her life. And he was like, oh, my God. And so he he called her and was like, Shanita just told me. And he was like, yeah, yeah. And he was like, well, yeah. And so from there, he was able to like, okay, let me help her. Let me get her connected with one of our behavioral health consultants. Let her talk, see maybe if she needs, you know, um, the, the get, you know, get connected to counseling or therapy to help her navigate this whole situation. You know, grandparents taking in their grandkids is a very, you know, it's, it's not uncommon in the world, but it, it's also a very stressful situation because they've already raised their kids and now they're about to do it all over again with their grandbabies. And so that really helped the provider figure out what was going on with her. And then I told her, I was like, you know, you could tell your provider anything. And she was like, oh, I didn't even think about. She's like, it just, it was second, na it's second nature to grandmas and grand, you know, grandparents in general to go ahead and take their grandbabies in. But she didn't think that that was something that was attributing to her blood pressure. And so I was like, no, why wouldn't you think that? And so it was, it was great to, you know, get that out there and, and get it connected. And had I not been, you know, so connected to her from working front desk, because I started here as a patient service representative at the front desk. And so if I wasn't so connected to her from working front desk, she probably wouldn't have 
disclose that to any, you know to anyone. And so it's building those relationships that makes us so that makes us unique from other clinics. Um, is that we truly value our clients. They're not just another person we can build charges to or whatever because we see anybody regardless of their ability to pay. So we don't even know your situation until you, you check in and everything like that. So everyone gets treated with the same love, kind, and respect that um, we want the patients to treat us. Yeah, I'm, we have had uh, Dr. Corey Brown on the podcast and we kind of talked about patient-provider relationships and how... Uh, we we put a lot of uh, emphasis on the patient provider relationships because you know they're the ones yeah. treating mm-hmm. healthcare. But uh, you make an excellent point in that there is a whole care team whole care. behind that one provider. Absolutely. And so, so yeah, it's everything from the people at the front desk, the person, the mm-hmm. nurse taking your blood pressure, to the actual provider themselves. Mm-hmm. Everything kind of rolled into one creates that whole patient mm-hmm. experience, and it's so refreshing to hear Howard Brown's take on it. Every single step of the way for the patient and their flow in our clinic is important, right? And they arrive as different versions of themselves in every space, right? So when they're communicating, for example, when they come in to check in and see our front desk folks, um, they're experiencing a lot of anxiety. Maybe they have some issues that were unresolved in the past, right? So they're, they're expressing themselves in a certain way. Um, and our staff are the gatekeepers for that. It's creating a safe space, letting the patient know, like, we care, we're here for them, um, we're listening, we're patient, right? So we're establishing the baseline for what they can expect throughout the rest of their care here. Um, and hopefully get them more comfortable and more relaxed and more trusting so that when they go in to see their provider, um, we've created that space for them to be open and share as much as possible so they can, their provider can learn as much as possible in that. Because we're all, we also have those time restrictions at Howard Brown Health. That's not something that we're like, hey, we could spend inordinate amounts of time with people. Um, but when the whole care team is involved, right, a case manager, a, a PSR, an MA, everybody's learning a little bit from the patient, right? And then that information is being compiled to create a larger picture of that person. We have had uh, Dr. Corey Brown on the podcast and we kind of talked about patient-provider relationships and how uh, we we put a lot of uh, emphasis on the patient-provider relationships because, you know, they're the ones yeah. treating mm-hmm. healthcare. But uh, you make an excellent point in that there is a whole care team whole care. behind that one provider. Absolutely. So, so, yeah, it's everything from the people at the front desk, the person, the mm-hmm. nurse taking your blood pressure to the actual provider themselves. Mm-hmm. Everything kind of rolled into one creates that whole patient mm-hmm. experience, and it's so refreshing to hear Howard Brown's take on it. What's stopping private practice clinics from doing the same thing? Is it? Do you think the seeing everybody, regardless of their ability to pay, kind of removes that... Uh, that barrier. So we, we just view people as patients, not as an insurance claim. Yeah. I think that definitely separates, uh, separation, you know, traditional, um, practices from, um, from Howard Brown and folks who operate like Howard Brown. It's in it. Um, it's the, the, the focus of who they serve. Right. And so if you know that you're only going to serve people who have insurance or have the ability to pay you, you, you operate differently than when you're, when you're working with folks who are not fortunate enough to be in those situations. And it also, it also boils down to training as well. We train our patient service reps, AKA front desk staff and our medical assistants who work in the back with the providers, we train them 
on how to um, interact with clients um, regardless of you know what their status is. Um, we want to treat the person and in order to treat the person, you have to treat them with respect so that they can be comfortable enough to open up to you. And that is key to having healthy outcomes is making your, making your client comfortable enough to share with you those things that they dare not say outside of that exam room. And, um, and so that boils down to us, you know, normalizing things that other practices may not normalize. Like we normalize having an HIV test at a physical. That is not strange. But when you go to traditional clinics, that is a very odd request to them. It's like, oh, why do you want that? You know, or mm -hmm. you want to come in and have routine um, STI um, testing. And it's like, oh, if, if nothing's wrong, you shouldn't get it. No, actually, you should. Like, you know, um, if you're having a healthy sex life, you should come in and get routine um, STI testing done. It's, it's normal to do those things. So the fact that we are make the fact that we work extremely hard to normalize things that the society tries to make awkward sets us apart, you know, um, tremendously from all these other clinics because we are making folks comfortable with what they, you know, how they live their everyday life. I love that. And so, so you'd say that it's, yeah, the normal uh, private practices probably don't, create this kind of environment because mm -hmm. they're the the scope of who they're seeing is is more narrow so yes. it's it, mm -hmm. they don't have to think about you know did this was this person able to get here safely uh that's never a question that enters their mind because mm -hmm. nine times out of ten that is the case yes. so they, they don't mm -hmm. even have to look past you know and also the, traditional clinics were never really tasked with trying to meet the demographic of people they serve where they're at so, you know, I'm quite, you know, I'm quite sure that, you know, folks, L, people who live, you know, identify as LGBT go to these practices um, because that's all, you know, a lot of us knew um, back in the day. But to actually focus on, you know, what it means to be in a person that identifies as LGBT is not something that traditional practices normally do. But here at Howard Brown, that is literally the foundation of this organization is that it started out, you know, as a, you know, a gay physician trying to, you know, give access to care to people like him. And so because of that, um, because of that, that grew into, of course, the whole community and not just gay men and making sure that we, uh, we focused on the, the, the health, the sexual, the social determinants of health that affect those communities. And so that's that's huge because not every practice does, not every clinic does that. Um, so being a clinic where someone who identifies um, as LGBT or find out that they're um, HIV positive um, and they want to Google, which you know folks do, and they find us and then they come see us and they're like, "Wow, this this right here is an experience," and that's exactly what Howard Brown is. We are an experience, yeah. and once you experience us, you don't want to go back. <laughs> exactly. This this strikes me as similar. Um, we were talking in an earlier episode about like the concept of community health and meeting a community's needs. I feel like a lot of private practices probably get set up. Uh, 
they'll buy an office building and kind of assume that everybody that needs health will find them and mm-hmm. come to them uh, versus Howard Brown kind of does it in reverse order yes. and finds the community that needs them first and goes to them as opposed mm-hmm. to assuming the community is going to come to them. So I think that yeah. kind of uh, reverse order of, of really meeting a community as opposed to expecting a community to meet them uh, is, is a cool aspect of, of Absolutely. how we do things. Absolutely. The, 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 the phrase build it and they will come does not always apply um, to folks because just because you build it don't mean that they'll, you know, they'll travel to where you are. But if you bring it to them in their community and make yourself known and um, plant yourself in that community, build trust with that community um, is huge as, as well um, because our demographic of folks traditionally don't trust healthcare and, they have, you know, there, there's reasons, there, there's valid reasons for that. And so being able to calm those fears and build that trust so that we can, you know, meet our patients where they're at is huge and is, and, and is very vital to the work that we do. I mean, Howard Brown has a ton of clinics across the city. Um, and uh, we, I have learned in the process of becoming a Chicago resident that uh, there is a big difference uh, just in terms of demographics and healthcare needs between like the north side and the south side and the west side uh, historically and still today. How does that impact our clinic operations and the way that we look into running those clinics on the north side versus the south side or whatever the case may be? I think one of the biggest differences is um, communication and trust with the community, right? So in the North region, we're very well known. We've been here for 40 years. Um, immediately when our, our community thinks about healthcare, they think about Howard Brown Health and they know where to find us. Um, in the South region, I think that we're still doing a lot of work to engage that community, um, to gain their trust, to educate them on the services that we do offer and what we can do for them. So it's more of bringing the community in um, and ensuring that we are paying attention to the trends and medical needs there so that we're providing that. Like diabetes care is something that's really important in the South region. Um, uh, heart health, right? Blood pressure is something that's really important in the South region. So I think that right now we're still building that trust there um, and building that uh, presence so that people can in the future say, oh, I have this need. Um, and it doesn't matter who I am or how I present myself or what my preferences are. I can show up to this place and they will hold space for me and they were cheap. They were- Thinking big picture and, and, and dreaming big here. Um, what further changes would you like to see Howard Brown implement to kind of bring our clinics to the next level on a clinic ops uh, sort of perspective? Budget aside, I know every, everybody, every organization Ooh, has every organization <laughs> has limiting restraints, and and yep. you know there's certain things that are practical and not practical. But what's what's the next move for us? Is it more clinics? Is it bigger clinics? Is it different kinds of clinics? Uh, none of those things. All of those things. What what uh, what's the future? Uh, what could the future be? What I envision, no budget aside, mm-hmm. <laughs> is um, Howard Brown being able to um, have the resource, have the resources available for clients outside of just primary care, right? So, and we're slowly getting there. We have OB Guiney, um, we have a chiropractor that's um, that comes, I think, two three days out the week at some of the clinics. Um, we have uh, we ha- our um, behavioral health department is ramping up, and we'll you know we're hiring more providers because um, behavioral health is very important for our um, demo. It's important for everybody, but especially our demographic of folks because we 
our demographic of folks are known to see higher trauma than, than other people. Uh, we have dental. Um, I envision us hopefully having our own vision, having our own ophthalmologists and optometrists. Folks can come get their glasses from us. Um, and then all the specialties, right? Like all the specialty services. I would love that, you know, Howard Brown have his own, like I would... <laughs> I was say have his own hospital or have our own professional building where we have all these, uh, we have these specialists that will be able to see all of our clients regardless of their ability to pay, right? Because specialist, specialty services, sorry again, tongue-tied, specialty services is a huge component of what creates barriers to care for a lot of clients um, because there's not a lot of access for our uninsured folks and things like that. And so it, uh, it adds to the um, social determinants of health for a patient. So I would love to see us, I would love, I would envision and love to see us expand and have access uh, to all of those specialty services for our clients. I love that. I, yeah, I think the widening the scope of, of mm -hmm. what's uh, attainable for a patient, I can see, uh, you know, situations where a, a, a patient might realize that they have, uh, you know, a, a, a health problem that they want to solve and it requires referral to a specialist. And I could see a situation where a lot of patients would just be like, well, it's not pressing, you know, yeah. it's, it's not life or death. So, you know, going to a specialist seems like a lot of work or a lot of money or, mm -hmm. or whatever the case may be. We'll just not pursue that right now. So I think the, you know, bringing more specialists into Howard Brown so that we can say, nope, you can treat that here with us and it's going to be attainable and easy and, and yes. a smooth process for you. Um, I just spoke with uh, Dr. Booker, who's our first uh, anal health anal specialist. Health, yes, and we've had... Um, uh, Dr. Martin Gorbian, who's our gerontologist, and uh, it's it's cool to kind of see us adding these specialties mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. into our uh, our ranks, so to speak, uh, yes, to kind of absolutely. Uh, ensure that whatever it is a patient may need, we have it here. So um, that that's cool. And uh, any any other big big plans, big big ideas you have? Um, and then also technology, right? Um, and some of this is probably is in the works because we are going, we are in the process of going through a huge EMR uh, conversion. We're getting ready to switch um, which electronic medical record system that we use. And so along with that is going to come a lot of uh, technology changes, a lot of good technology changes um, that I am so excited about. I'm very excited that patients will potentially have the opportunity to check themselves in for their appointments, um, you know, which our introvert clients will love because they don't have to come to the front desk and, and, and talk. You'll be able to do everything right from your phone. Um, we're in, we have that also assist with people who might not speak English as a first language. So yes. They can do mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. that's awesome. Um, but we also, you know, when patients, when English is not a client's first language, we also order interpreters for patients, which is also, thank you for saying that, which <laughs> is also something that traditional clinics do not do. And if they do, they charge the client. Oh, wow. It, 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 it's, it's billed. I didn't even know that, that they would charge them for an interpreter when there's literally nothing they can do about that. Wow. That's... Mm -hmm. when, and this was, when I was working in private practice, this is what, this is, this was the practice. Not sure if that's the practice for them now, because I have, I've been with Howard Brown now, what was this, April? Mm-hmm. I've been with Howard Brown now 11 and a half years. It'll be 12, four years in May. Um, 
And so, yeah, when I first when I first came here, uh, I worked for a clinic that you know attempted to build everything. And so, um, I mean, I can pretty confidently say I don't think much much has changed just from hearing stories around of you know mm-hmm. uh, if. Uh, I, I heard one that was like a, um, uh, somebody that was pregnant with twins got billed double for an ultrasound, even though the ultrasound is the same uh, for a single baby versus, a, mm-hmm. you know, a twins. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's the same thing, but they got billed double just they because there's because another because fetus present. Twin. Like mm-hmm. it's, I, I don't think the, um, uh, the practice of billing everything and anything and everything has changed at all. Um, mm. But that's, that's cool to hear that we just kind of yeah. include that in our services. Yeah. That is a call. Time. That is a cause. Howard Brown just incorporates in the, the, the budget, so to speak yeah. type of thing. Um, we meet our clients where, where they are at because we want to ensure that our clients get all the information that they need. And while we do love that they bring family members with them that they trust, things of that nature, it really is helpful for them to have, it really is helpful to have someone who's trained to do medical interpretation in the room so that not just the client, but even the family member, you know, can fully understand what is being translated. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's huge too. Cause I could see, especially with like more involved treatment of, of whatever condition, if it, if it takes, you know, somebody reminding somebody or multiple members mm-hmm. of the family knowing what's going on. It's huge to have um, everybody be informed and on the same page. I mean, if I had an unlimited budget, um, I would create more space. I would make Sheridan like a five-story building because as our flagship site, people just think Howard Brown and sometimes don't even look us up and don't even know we have other locations. They just show up at Sheridan, right? Um, so I think, yeah, I think if we, if we, if we had an unlimited budget, I would love to put more people on the ground to talk to the communities, especially in the West region, um, in the South region to talk about what they need and to provide education, um, and build this foundation of a relationship before we build sites. Um, we've touched on a lot of different stuff and we're sort of nearing the end of our time. Um, thinking in terms of of, of clinic ops, is there uh, anything you want to impart to our listeners before we go? Because we do have a larger, you know, nationwide audience and, and uh, we might have people listening that aren't in a clinic that can uh, accommodate, or, you know, accommodate patients in the same way that we do. Um, or, you know, they might be looking to kind of move their clinic in that direction. What, what advice would you give to somebody that's in that situation or a sort of what are some uh, closing remarks to other healthcare professionals? I would say, remember that your clients are your, your clients and patients are your, your lifeline to your, to your organization. And also remember that the goal is to, is the goal is to help them not so much, you know, help yourself. A lot of us do this work because we believe in everyone having access um, to care and everyone having access to services, regardless of um, who they are, where they live, um, and how they sexually, you know, sexually or gender identify, and we train our staff to in, to ensure that those clients walk through the doors feel extremely comfortable um, coming through these doors. That the, we are their safe space, and re- constantly reminding and embedding that into our staff's thought process helps them perform their jobs better um, because we all know what it means to want to have a safe space. And so if you remember that for yourself, you can use that empathy to, sh- you know, to shower your clients and patients with it as well.
We're all lacking time, right? That's the resource that we all wish we had so much more of. But I think that with a little bit of intention, um, providers can move in that direction and say, who is this person, right? Not just who is this patient, because I think we associate patients with symptoms, but who is this human and how can I best serve this human where they're currently at? I feel like uh, clinical operations is often the unseen component um, in healthcare, but the glue that binds it all together. Love it. Thank you for synthesizing what I was so uh, poorly trying to articulate earlier and that like clinic ops on the nose, like you said, might not be the first thing that comes to mind when people think of a healthcare center, but it really, like you said, is the glue that holds everything together and facilitates this all because it is truly a massive undertaking when you think of how many, how many, I don't, I should know off the top of my head, how many clinics do we have across the city? 12. 12. 12 clinics and I, how many, how many, I'm going to quiz you now, how many patients do we see a year across 12 clinics? Do you know? Uh, 40,000 or more. Crazy. <laughs> I, yeah, it's, so it, it is truly uh, an incredible feat that uh, you and the other um, clinic ops uh, members of the team facilitate across our organization and we're grateful for it. So thank you so much for your time, Maria, for uh, answering all of my um, poorly worded questions and kind of articulating what it is that makes Clinic Ops so special. So Shanita, thank you so much for your time and for educating us as awesome. well. So thank you for having me. Thank, thank you. you. We appreciate it. My pleasure.